Take it to the second one, but just in case, I, I pulled it out and prepared it just, just in case we did. So um, let me get over here to the right study. And uh, all right, there we go. So we want, we're in a point in our study. We're finally out of chapter one of the book I'm using as far as this, a basic guide for our study. We have finally reached the end of chapter one and we're moving into chapter two. And again, I'm, I'm just using that as a basic thing, as a basic guide. Uh, I'm adding a lot of material to it. So, uh, but we want to talk about chapter two in the book deals with the existence of God because obviously we're, we're talking about a biblical worldview here. And so in a biblical worldview, we, we have to discuss the existence of God. And Chris, can I get you to do me one more favor? Can you grab my Bible off my desk? I'm sorry, I was in too many meetings before this, so I forgot to grab my Bible. Um, so we want to talk about today the existence of God, and then we want to go into, uh, we and we've kind of hit on this a little bit here and there, the, the coexist mentality, this, you see this on bumper stickers all the time, but this coexist mentality, we want to talk about that a little bit today because that has to do with dealing with the existence of God um, and and how we how we approach God and what God expects from from us, and uh, and so it all it all kind of ties together. So that's what we wanna we wanna look at today. Thank you, Christian. All right. So obviously, and, and you, there's two references there. Obviously, Genesis one verse one. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. We're very familiar with that verse, and uh, and and one of the things we've pointed out about that verse before is uh, that verse does not try to argue the existence of God. That verse states it as a fact. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. There's no, there's no argument there. There's no you know, 30-point lesson to help prove the existence of God. It is accepted uh, by that verse that God exists. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And then we go to Romans chapter 1. And starting in verse 18, and we've read, we've had, we've looked at these verses before. We looked at them when we did our Roman study. We've looked at them at other times, but let's read through uh, these few verses, 18 to 23. It says, "For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth and unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen." being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So let's just stop there for a second. So basically those verses have said that basically God manifested himself to us in creation so that man has no excuse. Man cannot say, I don't understand that, that there's a God because man has no excuse because he has creation all around him. And that's what that passage is telling us. It's been manifested. The invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wow, folks. Does that, do these things not ring a bell to us? I'm professing themselves to be wise. They became what? They became fools. Well, we got a lot of fools in society today. 
We got a lot of people that think they have some kind of wisdom that they've gained that is apart from God and they have made themselves fools. But notice what it says that they've changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man to birds, four footed beasts, creeping things. In other words, they've put those things as something to be worshipped above the creator. Worship the creation not the creator. And there's a huge problem there and this is where this is where we get today when you get people when you when you get people that are so extreme that you know they they that they begin to be, believe that a little bug is more important than a human life or a tree is more important than a human life. And this is where we get I, I I'm just going to say some of the ridiculous stuff that comes out of climate and environmental stuff that they, they just, you know, they, they, they come up with because what they're doing is they're doing exactly what this verse says. Professing themselves to be wise, they become fools and they change where the real glory is supposed to be. Glory to God. And they change it into glorifying parts of the creation and not God. Matter of fact, diametrically opposed to God. I mean, it's, it's, it's like that far. So we're going to worship the creation that God created, but we don't dare worship the God that created it. And, and, and this is where we are today in society. So then somewhere along the way, some brilliant thinking people came up with, with this idea of syncretism. So you see there an unbiblical view of God and the word syncretism. That's not a word we use very often. But syncretism, and I just wrote out the kind of a definition, it's the combination of different forms and practice of religious belief and the view that believes they all end up in the same place. It doesn't matter who you worship or what you worship, we're all going to end up in the same place. Absolutely false. Absolutely false. Absolutely anti-biblical. But this is the belief. And so from out of this kind of belief system is where we get this idea of the of the coexist bumper sticker slogan whatever you want to call it and it's been modified slightly over the years it wasn't originally quite this detailed but it's been modified but this is probably the one that we're most familiar with because we see it everywhere see it on cars every day when you drive through Fredericksburg and, and, and the idea is we just combine all these religious practices together and we're all going to get along peacefully and it's all going to be great. And we're all going to end up in the same place anyway. That's, that's what that sticker hopes for us to do. Just combine all these religions and it works out great. The problem is, it doesn't work out great. And so we're going to look at today very specifically, I've made little mentions here and there, but we're going to look very specifically at, at this ideology and, and where its flaws lie, because it's very flawed. So the first thing we've got to do is we've got to identify the letters of the word coexist. So that's, that's your blanks down at the bottom of the front of the first page. The letters to coexist. So the C, as you can see, is shaped as a crescent moon, and it represents Islam. That's the C in coexist. Now, the O, obviously, is a peace symbol. Now, there is huge, huge debate as to the meaning of the peace symbol. What is the peace symbol? So, there's many people that would argue it was a symbol 
for, for nuclear disarmament. That's where it was started. And it just became this, this, this symbol of nuclear disarmament. And then later it was, it was, um, caught on that it was, it was part of, uh, just, you know, peace. Let's bring all these people, let's bring everybody together in a peaceful way and live together in harmony and, and, and things like that. And, uh, but the, but also there's, there's a viewpoint on, on the, um, peace symbol that it is an upside down broken cross. Uh, and, uh, and if you take that viewpoint, I believe there's a lot of evidence <laughs> towards that viewpoint, but, uh, the upside down broken cross is obviously a mockery of what Jesus Christ did. He died on a cross for our sins. And so you take, you take the antithesis of it, you turn the cross upside down and break it. And that's your, that's your peace symbol. I can't say that dogmatically, so I'm not going to say it dogmatically tonight. But that is a very widely accepted view of what the peace symbol is. So because of that viewpoint, for me personally, I, I want to stay as far away from that symbol as I can. Because a lot of people do see it as that. Whether right or wrong, that's, that's how they see the symbol. Um, was it something else? Was it just... Let's all come together in peaceful harmony, bring all our religions together as syncretism tries to do. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, then you have the E. You have the E is, is, is simply the, hey, I find this one kind of ironic in the day and age in which we live, the male and female symbol. Um, or it's, many people say it's, it's basically scientific equation. It represents scientific equation. But, you know, right now we have people arguing constantly that there's not just male and female, but yet they're coexisting has the male and female symbols. So it's kind of, that's kind of ironic to me that that's there with the arguments that they try, try to make today. Uh, then, then we have, obviously, the, the X is the, is the Star of David representing Judaism. The I, the, the dot on the I, is the uh, Wiccan symbol. Wiccan or witchcraft. That's, that's the Wiccan symbol at the top of the I. And then the S is the, the Chinese, it's the yin-yang symbol, which is the symbol for Taoism. And we're going to talk about these in a little bit, a little bit more, what, what these mean, um, a couple of them. And then the T is the cross for Christianity. Okay, so that's, that's, your, that's your coexist sticker. That's who it represents. So, with that in mind, and, and, and listen, folks, there, there are people... There are people that are very passionate about the fact that they think all these world religions can come together and live in harmony with each other. They're as passionate about that as we are about Jesus Christ. They're just passionately wrong. And that's the problem. Because there are huge flaws to this idea of syncretism. So just, I put seven blanks. I've written down six things, and you guys can add more to it if you want. But, uh, but, but what, what are the flaws in syncretism? What are the immediate things we see? So let me just give you a few. Oh, go ahead, Joe. Give me one. Well, no, it starts with Muslim faith, which has no ability to coexist with anything. Right. Yeah, so right away. Right away, it starts with that. And then it ends with Christianity, which is I am the way. Right. So right away you have Islam who believes we're all what? Infidels and we all should be killed. So how, how in the right from the start, take all the other letters out, just have the C and the T. How, how are we going to live together in harmony and peace when C wants to kill T? So right from the start, it's a completely flawed system. 
Okay, I already explained the history of the peace symbol, the upside down broken cross, also referred to as the Nero cross. So I talk about that. So then you have, then you have Judaism. Judaism rejected the Messiah. They rejected Jesus Christ. And we all know that we see Jesus Christ as our Savior, our Messiah, our Lord. So you have, a, you have one religion that rejected Christ, the other religion that accepts Christ. So how can these two live in harmony? Then you got Wicca, known as magic, witchcraft, the craft, different names it goes by. It's a nature religion. Wicca is a nature religion that's grounded in reverence to not God, but planet Earth. Planet Earth is called the Great Mother. And, uh, and actually, Wiccans regard Jesus as a great white witch. That's what they regard Jesus as. He was a great white witch. But it's a, it's a nature religion. So their reverence, their worship is not the God of this world that created it all. Their worship is of the nature that he created. And by the way, just an interesting fact, I don't know if it's still the case, but several years ago, a Wicca was actually the fastest growing religion in America. It's hard to believe, isn't it? Witchcraft. Fastest growing religion in America was witchcraft several years ago. I don't know if it's still in that spot or not. But uh, it's, it's crazy. Brother Brett. Is, isn't that the same symbol as Satanism? Yes. It is. It's the same. Yes. I was going to get there, but I got there yet. Yes. No, if you notice the symbol, it's, it's the same satanic symbol that we see often. But it's their, it's their symbolism for Wicca or, or for, for Satanism. Yes, absolutely. And, uh, hey, speaking of Satanism, if you follow the news today, um, you saw that Target, of course, as part of their big Pride Week, you know, they got to have all this Pride clothing and stuff. Anyway, but Target hired a company that is a company run by a Satanist to create some of their products for their Pride Week. So I already got a problem with the Pride Week, but they, 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 Pride Month, excuse me. Yeah, well. <laughs> Okay. Anyway, but uh, Pride Month, whatever. But but uh, but they hired a Satanist, a guy who's very open uh, about his satanic beliefs, to develop the stuff, some of the stuff that they were selling for that. And there's been a big backlash, and they've actually taken some products off the market, and they've moved some products in southern stores to the back of the store instead of the front of the store. It's just so it's so it's there's just so much ridiculousness there. But it just goes to show you. That uh, of uh, what's what's going on? We just had also this week. Um, ooh, what county was it? In what state? There was a county in one of the states that they opened up their um, their meeting. They opened in prayer and they allowed a Satanist to open in prayer this last week. Uh, one of the counties. I can't. I don't think it was in Virginia, but it was a county in our county. They opened up their whatever their their meeting is at their courthouse and they allowed a Satanist to open up their meeting. So interesting. Um, for sure. So, but yeah, so the, so the Wiccan symbol is also a symbol that we, that we get for Satanism as well. So, and, and the Wiccan, you know, they're grounded in a reverence to the planet, not a reverence to God. So, so again, total, total disconnect. So then, then we get to the, oh, go ahead, brother Brad. I was going to say this verse in second Corinthians where it says, be not, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? What concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he with, uh, that, that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. 
as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Yeah, good, good. What was that verse again? Tell me that reference. Corinthians uh, 6, verse 14. And then the last uh, verse 17 says, Wherefore come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, yeah. and touch not the end and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. God clearly tells us not to not to put ourselves in the same... I mean, we're supposed to love right. the world. We're supposed to, but we also need to say we're not right. the same, and we're, we're yes. the same. Absolutely. And we're going to look at a very specific story from Scripture here in just a few minutes that, that speaks to this issue. Let me give you a couple more of these and then we'll look at that story. So um, then we have the Taoism, the yin yang symbol. Uh, Taoists don't believe in God. Just flat out. They don't believe in God. They believe the universe springs from the Tao and the Tao impersonally guides things. So they don't believe in a God, but they believe that there is some force or something that's not personal. You can't have a relationship with it or anything, but it, it guides you somehow, but it's not God. So, so I, I, again, you know, just using any amount of intelligence, you have to ask yourself, how, how, how does that sticker ever work? It, it, it's just wishful thinking. It's not going to ever work because, because you can't have people that believe in God practicing the same religion as people who don't believe in God. It just doesn't, it doesn't add up. It doesn't work. And, um, and, and quite honestly, I just see it as part of the lie that Satan's feeding society today. Maxine. Well, there are plenty of Christians that have done that, but that's not their intent in this. Their intent in this is to represent the Christian population. And uh, so, yeah, but there are plenty of those, you're right, that have created gods in their own mind that claim to be Christian that aren't. And there's plenty of Christianity that does open its doors and, and lets anything in. Yeah. But it's, that's certainly not, the, the, that's not the God of the Bible. Right. That does that. Oh, I meant to bring that article about the church in Canada. I forgot it again. I got to bring that article. I, I, gotta, I want to read that article. It's very, it ties in very well to what we're studying. Go ahead, brother. Uh, yeah, going back uh, to Genesis 1 1, uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and earth as it, as it uh, relates to Jews and Christians. If I'm not wrong, you correct me. Uh, the El, it's Elohim, it's plural, meaning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So you have in one one. Yeah. Uh, and we know that Jesus is the creator of all. Right. So uh, Yeah, the Bible's very clear in other spots that Jesus is the creator. Yeah. You know, the Jews, it was a valid uh, offer that they could have, uh, you know, followed Jesus. Correct. But, but anyway, the point being is that it's plural, and it's plural in Hebrew. So... Why would they? I mean, they couldn't accept a struggling or suffering Jesus. Right. Right. And, uh, right. They couldn't. Yeah, because they because they want they wanted a ruler. They wanted somebody who's going to take down the Roman Empire, and that's what they were looking for. So Jesus comes in meekness, and they, they couldn't deal with it. But you're no, you're exactly right. There's many references in the Bible that are in the plural, referring to God to bring in the other the other characters of the Trinity, and and there is also several scriptures that talk the fact that Jesus is Creator. So and. And judge. 
<laughs> so, uh, so both. So, um, and then let me, uh, let me add, oh, and then my final thought on this, my number six, we've kind of already talked about, is the idea carried in this sticker is syncretism, which is the whole thing we're talking about, the combination of different forms of belief or practice. Those, those are some of the absolute flaws I see in this system, but I'm open to other ideas too. Well, the thing you said about the, was it Taoism? Yeah. Where it basically it guides them, but it's not personal? Okay. I'll rebut that, or God will, rather. <laughs> God said, let us make man in our own image. Yeah. After our likeness. So basically, if they're personal, they believe that verse. Right. Then they realize that yeah. he's personal. Yeah, man was created in God's image, and he was created to have fellowship with God. Absolutely. Yes, brother. Um, I don't have my glasses, but I know in uh, Corinthians talks about the natural man. Yeah, natural man receiveth not things of the Spirit of God. Yeah, but because they're spiritually discerned. So right. When they look at that, Right. Like the Christmas, it jumps out to them. Right. But the natural man. The natural man, yeah, he's going to struggle with this until he's to a point that he's willing yeah. to accept the direction of the Holy Spirit to hopefully lead him to salvation. But yeah, absolutely, without a doubt. Joe. Well, back to your, back to you know, your, your basic Romans, Romans 1. Um, all these people believe, you know, the Taoists especially, believe in these natural things. But in Romans 1, it says very clearly, can't see the natural things without believing in me. Right. You know, God saying you, you can't see that without believing in me. So they, there has to be a conscious rejection at some point. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. There, there has to be a conscious rejection, and just like any religion that believes in anything, there has to be an amount of faith. I, I, I mean, for us to practice as Christians, we we have to have some faith. Right? I mean, for, for, for me to get up here and say, I believe this Bible is absolute truth. I believe God inspired the men that wrote it. And I believe we ought to live our lives according to that. That, that takes some faith. Right? And so, so any religion has faith in it somewhere to some extent. Um, and, but, but the problem becomes where somebody's trying to convince us that all these religions can be lived out together in harmony and it really doesn't matter because they're all going to end up in the same place at the end anyway. And it's just it's just not true. So let's look at a very specific story about that. Did, yes, go ahead. Yeah, but with this coexist, you see a lot out in California and it's meant to not think too hard about it. They don't want you to think about all these details. They want you to say, oh yeah, this is fluffy and sounds really yeah. good. Everybody's in harmony. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, they, not, they just want you to walk the line of their reasoning and not th not think it through for yourself. And that's where I say, and I've said, and I've mentioned that already in this study, but I've said it many times from the pulpit, you know, one of the things as Christians we got to have is we've got to have discernment. We have to have discernment, folks, because it's easy just to hear what somebody said. You know, it's just, it's just like the politicians. They lie and lie and lie and lie. Why do they do it? Because if people hear the lie enough times, they begin to believe the lie. So I could get up here tomorrow and I could, I could say, you know, I could start saying there's, we have no national debt. There's no, na we're, 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 we're just very solvent as a country. We have no national debt at all. Like and what, what? I said, you sound like a press secretary. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, pretty much. They're hired to be liars. But anyway, but you know, but right, I mean, I could sit there and say that all day and I can say it over and over and over and over again. And you know what? There will begin to be some people in this country that will believe we don't have a national debt. That there's no problem but if you look with at finance. society today, they don't want the whole story. They want right. the little snippets, and it yeah. all sounds good. The little snippets, and part of it's true, and part of it's a lie, and it right. all sounds good. But they don't want to dig into it. Yeah. And they're being led astray. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And we we just got to learn to dig. So let's look at a story from the Bible 
Because we're talking about, can, can we have all this worshiping of different gods come together and be one? So if you have your Bible open to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 3. And it says this, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Verse 4, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. Now, I skip this quote and jump to the next... To the next page. So go ahead to the next. We're going to come back to this quote. Don't worry. But jump to the next page for just a second. And so we see we see in in this passage out of Exodus chapter 20, the fact that God expects us to not worship other gods, to not bow before other gods. And he's very clear. He is a jealous God. And, and, And so the idea that. Hey, it's okay. We'll just all come together. We'll just all worship whatever we worship. And it's all good in the end because we're all going to the same place. That's just not how it works. And so, and, and part of the reason, a large part of the reason that the world does not like Christianity is because Christianity is exclusive. Right. It's exclusive. We are told to worship one God and one God only, which is very different than most of the rest of the world believes. And so they don't like the exclusivity of it. Brother. The beauty of that verse is, God shall have no other gods before me. And if that, if that's, if, if you believe that, then there will be no other gods because you won't believe them. Right, right exactly. That's because true. It is exclusive. Right, it is, ex- right. It is exclusive. And it's meant to be exclusive. Right. The Lord Jesus, he said it's the narrow way. Right. There's, there's only one narrow way. Every other way is a broad path. A yeah. broad path leads to Right. And so all these different worldviews, they're they're at liberty to choose whatever they want. But the Lord Jesus said there's only one way. Yeah. Only one way. That's that's you go through Jesus Christ or you don't get to heaven. Right. That's very narrow minded, it's very specific, and it's very exclusive, and it holds out everything else. Yes. And and the Lord Jesus is the, the departing line between us and everything else in the world. What you believe about Jesus Christ tends to decide who you are and who your fellows are. Yeah, it, it defines you. It defines you. What you believe about Jesus Christ defines you. And we're going to look at that even a little bit more at the bottom of this next page. But before we go there, I want to go to this past description of 1 Kings, and I want to go back to the quote on the page before. So let's go to 1 Kings 18. 1 Kings 18 and verse 17. And notice what it says. It says, It came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, and that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. Now therefore send and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel, and the prophets of Baal, 450, and the prophets of the groves, 400, which eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. And and, and this is the verse I want you to key in on. And this is the verse I've got spelled out there with some blanks. And Elijah came unto all, uh, 
my Bible's got a little tearing. Is that is that all people? I'm sorry. And said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. Isn't that interesting? So you got this viewpoint that says, oh, listen, worship all the gods, all the religions come together, it's all great, we can all live in peace, whatever. But that's not what my Bible teaches me here. Elijah says, listen, if God be God, follow Him. But if Baal's God, then follow Him. He doesn't say follow them both because they're going to end up at the same place. He staked his life on the fact that God was God. And we know the rest of the story. We know how the prophets beat themselves and cried and cut themselves and carried on. And then we know how, how Elijah had them bring all the water and pour it all over the altar and all the stuff and dig a trench and pour water on. And then God sent fire from heaven and consumed it all. In what? Proof that He is the one true God. Amen. And that was the point here. The point was, this is not... An up for discussion, up for debate option in Christianity. It's not just worship whatever gods you want. There is one true God, and that's who we are to worship. And this passage out of 1 Kings very clearly establishes that fact. Now, let's go back to the back of the other page. I found this interesting, uh, par- well, it's a lengthy paragraph. I was on a website called Relevant christianity.com now i don't know about this organization i don't know about their website other than this but the article i read that this paragraph was in was excellent and here's what it says and you can read it but i'm going to read it out loud in the west syncretism is widespread in essence it means living like everyone else adopting their worldview and mixing them with faith so that the new soup is palatable to everyone and no one is offended by what fundamentalist belief See, so what? So, so right there, we learn something very quickly about syncretism, and that's that it, it doesn't want to be held to any fundamental beliefs. It wants to be just this accepting, everybody coming together in this in this in this soup of acceptance, uh, so it's palatable to everyone. Well, folks, God judging the world is not going to be palatable to everyone. It's not. Because there are people that live in sin and God's going to judge them someday. It's not going to be very palatable. So anyway, let's read it on. It involves downplaying key elements of the gospel that are considered old-fashioned or not cool so as to be more acceptable, less eccentric. Young people growing up in church have a, a fear, almost a phobia about distinctiveness of being rejected because they are different. They don't want to be associated with the image of a small, traditional, suburban church with a hall, a manse, and an aging membership. The church of the future must employ culturally sensitive evangelism without being seduced to conform. Otherwise, the natural process of syncretism will increasingly lead to acceptance and validation of extra-biblical offshoots such as Christian feminism, Christian gay groups, atheistic evolution in Christian schools, removing Christ from Christmas celebrations, and a host of similar developments in respectable ecclesial circles. We've seen all that, have we not? We've seen all that in churches all over our nation today. These very things, accepting 
these things in in an effort so that we're more palatable and, and, and people aren't afraid of our fundamentalist beliefs. Yeah, brother. Uh, Satan is more subtle. I mean, we see all this type of stuff, but it reminds me of Rick Warren. He was viewed by the nation or media as the nation's preacher. Yeah, he was, he was called America's pastor, yeah. He was back to the Obama year. Yeah. And he came out with chrysalis. I'm not too familiar with that, but I'm familiar with several of his things. of Christians and Islam's coming together okay. called Chrysalum. So here you have a guy that's, you know, trying to mesh right. two extremes. Right. And, you know, it's all cool by God. Anyway, it's, 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 the devil is not yeah. himself. Yeah. And people say, as long as you're sincere, it doesn't matter what you believe you'll end up in the right place. Yeah. So that's the asterisk. Yeah. As long as you're, you're sincere. Yeah. That's what they tell you. Absolutely. And, and that can be not Right. Oh, exactly. And, and, and you're exactly right. And what we see in a lot of church leadership today, especially these, these pastors who, who pastor these large congregations, and there's nothing, listen, if you've got a large congregation and you're pastoring right, i got no problem with you. But, but if, you, if you're pastoring a large congregation and you're buying into all this woke mentality and all this syncretistic mentality and stuff because you're trying to reach more people, I have a huge problem with you because you're perverting the gospel. And that's what they're doing. Yes. Sorry. To add on to what he said, in the scripture when they talk about scoffers yeah. in times especially, and they say, oh, you've always been saying that this is going to happen, that's going to happen. Those scoffers are in the church. Right? Oh, yeah. They're not talking about the world. They're talking, I mean, the church has failed so much, and that's how we got to Absolutely. And then another thing, there's two places that I can think of in sec- Second Timothy 3, when they talk about all the people in the end times, exceedingly violent, lovers of pleasure, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Here's the part we don't dwell on much. And from such people, turn away. Yeah. I'm not going to win them over. You know, right. like Corey Ten Boom said, your argument's not with me, it's with the Bible, it's with Jesus. Yeah. Also, all these people are coming knocking at your door. In Second John 8, it says... If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, this doctrine, right. do not receive him into your house, nor greet him. For he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. Yeah. So I'm not saying we should ignore these people, but you know, you can only do so much and you got to pray for them right. to live your yeah. Christian yeah. And, and, di- and this is why doctrine is so important. Because so much of what we're talking about here, listen, we're not up here the last what, six Wednesday nights? We're not up here listing every doctrine in Scripture. I'm not, I'm not teaching a theology class right now. And we're not listing all the doctrines. But we are actually hitting a lot of the doctrines because we're talking about a biblical worldview, which if you have a biblical worldview, you're going to have a biblical view of theology and the and right doctrine. So, so we could call this a doctrinal study, but... That the term turns people off. But that's really what it is. If you're doing a biblical worldview study, it's a doctrinal study. We're learning what the Bible says about our faith. Yes. But doesn't this all boil down to our faith versus God's faith? Or, or our belief or, or our will. That's what I'm trying to say. Our will. Our will versus God's will. Yeah. And the, the massive human struggle against God of giving up our will. That's the basis of our faith. Sure. Is giving up our will and, and following, and people don't want to do that. Right. And that's what it boils down to. They, they want to do all these crazy things 
Because that means they don't have to do that. Right. Yeah, where we're supposed to yield ourselves right. as what? Instruments of righteousness. That's what we we are called to yield ourselves to God so that He can He can use us and uh, and but our will doesn't want to yield. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Patrick. Going back to what he said about the devil being subtle. Yeah. Say in no marvel for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Yeah. But really what's happening is to be sober, be, be vigilant for your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walking about, walking about, walking about seeking who, whom he may devour. Right. So that's what's really happening. He's trying to entice you. Well, sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Satan's a, Satan's a great liar and he's a great faker. And he has, you know, he has an answer for everything that God has. And but he dresses himself up so it doesn't look so bad. Right. And but what is what is he really doing? He's, he's walking around looking who I can get. Who I, who I, who I, who I can devour, who I can destroy. I mean, that's what he, that's what he ultimately wants to do. And, and, and a lot of that is happening. And, and listen, folks, sadly, it's happening in a lot of churches. And, and, and I'm not even saying, you know, don't, don't just pick some fringe denomination out there and say, well, you know, they were always, they were always, you know, liberal anyway. So it doesn't matter. I'm talking in, in, in what used to be good churches. There are people that are preaching a very syncretistic gospel these days. Not holding the line. And folks, listen, just like the article I read said, you know, we, we, are, we are holding a fundamentalist. Listen, I don't take the word fundamentalist as, as an insult to me. To me, the word fundamentalist, that's a badge of courage. I mean, if I live as a fundamentalist, you know, the world wants us to think that fundamentalists, uh, you know, we're a terrorist organization if we're a fundamentalist. No, the, being a fundamentalist means I, I follow Scripture and I follow it clearly. That's what a fundamentalist is, somebody who believes in Scripture as it is written. So, all right, we're out of time tonight. Next week, the first thing we're going to look at um, is a couple little things here under that verse from 1 Kings. And then we're going to look at some very specific scriptural evidence that speaks against the idea of syncretism. We already looked at the passage from 1 Kings tonight, the story of, you know, Mount Carmel and stuff. That very clearly to me speaks volumes because in that passage we're very clearly told you either follow this God, if He's the one, you follow Him, or if He's the one, you follow Him. Nowhere in there do we see the, uh, Elijah say, hey, follow both of them. They're going to get you to the same spot. So if you want to follow this one, you follow Him. If you want to follow this one, you follow Him. It doesn't matter. That's not what he says. I would say that that verse was pretty passionately presented <laughs> when it was presented. I, I'm, I'm just guessing. But I'm, I, I have a feeling based on everything else that took place on Mount Carmel that that verse was pretty passionately presented when he said, listen, if God is God, follow him. Or if Baal is God, follow him. And I think it's also interesting that the people had not a word to say. Not a word. That is, that's a sad phrase at the end of that verse. Because what, what does that mean? Was what he said so convicting they couldn't even speak to it? I don't, I don't know what it means, but it's sad. Brother Brett, you'll be the last thing tonight. This Joshua, before he died, he told the people of Israel, choose you this day who you will serve. Yeah. Either the gods of the land of Canaan or, you know, but, but, but as for me and my house, we will serve yeah. the Lord. And he always made it clear, you know, yeah. you can't live with, with your feet. Touch them both. You know, yeah. you have to choose the Lord and follow Him or, or not. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, let's pray. Lord, thank you for the day, for your blessings to us. Lord, thank you for the time, for the study. Lord, I pray again that it will help us as we just develop discernment in our faith. Lord, help us to be able to 
understand what we believe, why we believe it, and make sure what we believe is biblical, Lord. And we just pray that you bless each one as we head home tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Did I send you the video for Sunday or did I send it to Justin? I sent it to you. You sent it to me. Yes, sir. I already downloaded it. I think we're still going to be using it. I've got to find out what's going on with Byron Fox. I I made some huge mistake with scheduling. I'm not sure what happened. (laughs) I thought Byron Fox.